Hi, I'm Drew. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a story you can't refuse. Hi, I'm Melissa, and I have a story about a band of real brothers that fought together in World War II. Hi, I'm Gina, and I have a story about the royal family that's a love story for the ages. How are all these stories related by the topic family? Find out in this episode of History Bluffs. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. It's where truth is stranger than fiction. And now I want to welcome to the show, it's your host, it's Chris! Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. So great to have you all here. We are thrilled to be back for another week and... Uh, both for the viewers watching us on YouTube and our other channels, as well as those listening on our podcast. So, as Adam, our tech extraordinaire, mentioned, tonight's uh, episode is based off of the topic family. So, uh, we are going to hear from three historians that are going to tell us stories inspired by the word family, and then we are going to collectively figure out who is tonight's bluff for this week's show. Um, Yes, because even I don't know, even I don't know which one of our three outstanding panelists uh, is the bluff for tonight's show. What? You don't know? No, only Adam knows. Only Adam the tech knows. That's right, just me. Yes. Uh, So let's meet our three historians, shall we? Uh, First up, I'm going to bring Drew to the center of the screen. Let's uh, get everybody up. There we go. There we are. Let's get everybody up. Uh, So Drew is right there. Hello, Drew. Welcome. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. Fantastic. Uh, when you, uh, when you, uh, other than the story that you have now tonight for tonight's show, in your real life, uh, family, uh, you know, uh, what, is the holiday season that we're in now that we're as we approach the the home stretch of the holiday season? Um, yeah. Do you have a lot of time to get together with family, as as it were? Well, actually, I am. Uh, so, as some of you know, I'm in Chicago, but um, most of you, I think, are in Florida, and as is my family. So, uh-huh. I am going to be coming down to your your neck of the woods in a few weeks. Very nice. Fantastic. All right. Awesome. Oh, if you do anything in the show, if you upset us in the show, we can get back to you personally about it. <laughs> That's right. When you arrive in town. That's Good. right. All right. Our, so our second historian is Melissa. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. Doing well. All right. Yes. As Drew pointed out, uh, he's in Chicago. The rest of us are in uh, Florida. So uh, Melissa, is all your family in Florida? Do you have anybody uh, around the country? Yeah, so I actually I have an uncle, uh, aunt and uncle, and some of their uh, like you know other family, extended family out by Cincinnati, so Ohio. Area. All right, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Hey, well, Ohio to them. Uh, and uh, <laughs> oh, oh. our uh, our third historian is Gina, uh, and uh, Gina, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And uh, Gina and I are both from New York originally, yes. so I, I know yes. that she has family spread out as well, like mm-hmm. I do. Uh, yes. And uh, Gina, uh, uh, are, are you going to meet up with uh, any of your family or, or in-laws during uh, oh. the holiday season? So very cool. Uh, we're So 
my aunt's birthday is on Christmas Day, and she's turning uh, 90 this year. However, wow. because it's, like, difficult to travel in and everything, we're going to celebrate in March. So my hope is that she makes it. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. Wow. Wow. I mean, they were going to do a big 90, 90th birthday celebration. She certainly will make it. Her mother lived to 104. So I think. Wow. Wow. Uh, All right. Well, uh, we are excited to hear the stories that you're going to share with us tonight, uh, inspired by the topic family. Uh, and let's get right to it. Adam, shall we see the uh, rules card, please, for the show and explain how the rules, rules work? Rules yeah. why this is a game show. Let's bring out the rules card. I worked hard on it. Here you go. For those of you listening only, Chris is going to read them. That's right. So uh, our three historians are going to tell us stories, and two of our historians are telling true stories. One of our historians is bluffing. And as I mentioned at the top, our job collectively is to try to figure out which of these three historians is this week's bluff. So the true stories are going to be factual stories, uh, completely factual. Uh, the bluff story, however, is going to be a fictional-based story, the fictional premise to their story, yes. Uh, it might have some real content in terms of, you know, real places, and, and there might be some real uh, world-renowned characters during that time period, whatever time period they're telling the story about uh, in their story, but the, the premise of their story is going to be false, going to be a bluff. And we ask for the audience to uh, enjoy the show without the pressure of having to look up anything on the internet and try to debunk us and our stories in the middle of the show. We do have an opportunity for that at the end. We're going to have three rounds. How, how this show works is we're going to have three rounds of stories. And at the end of the third round, we all get to make a guess as to who we believe, which of our three historians is the bluff for tonight. So uh, save those uh, accusations and, and uh, until the very end. Uh, but feel free to comment throughout the show in the comments section. Um, and, uh, and then you can always uh, email us or call us later on, and we'll edit it back into the show. No, we won't. Call, uh, call Chris. But, call, <laughs> no. call Chris. Uh, I don't know. I'm bluffing. I'm bluffing with that. But uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, let us just get right to it, shall we? Uh, Adam, you know what that means? That means we're going to go right to round number one. Let's do it. Round number one. All right. And as we see round number one, for those of you listening, Adam's about to put above my head on screen the round tracker 9000 that will let us know as we go through rounds one, two, and three that we have heard from historian number one, two, and three in each of those three rounds. So there are nine little dots up there as each historian tells their respective stories of each round. Those dots will be filled in. Uh, and when we get to all nine dots, then we will have an opportunity to figure out who is tonight's bluff. So I'm going to start with Drew. Yes, <laughs> you said the bluff word. I said the, the I said that word. word. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall for that. I'm not gonna <laughs> fall for that, Adam. Uh, Drew. Drew. All right, sir. You are going to see a little sundial pop up on screen. You're gonna hear a boom, and when that happens, your first round first round stories are gonna be 75 seconds. You have 75 seconds to start. Each of our successive rounds will get uh, shorter, and I'll explain that as we go. You're up. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the five families, a.k.a. the Italian-American mafia crime families that operate out of New York City. Back in the 1920s, mafia operations in the U.S. were controlled by Giuseppe Joe the Boss Masseria, whose factions consisted mainly of gangsters from Sicily and the surrounding regions of southern Italy. Masseria's faction included 
Charles Lucky Luciano, Albert Mad Hatter, Anastasia, among other colorful characters. Uh, this faction controlled New York until another powerful Sicilian, Don Vito Ferro, decided to make a bid uh, for control of mafia operations. He sent Salvatore Maranzano from his base in Castellamare del Golfo, Sicily, to New York to seize control. The Castellamare faction included Joseph Joe Bananas Banano and Stefano the Undertaker Magadino. As both factions realized a clash was imminent, they each sought to recruit followers from smaller gangs to support them. Uh, this ultimately led to what's referred to as the Castellamarisi War, which I will tell you more about in round number two. All right. Nicely done, Drew. Well done. Uh, let's hear what the others think. Melissa, what do you think of Drew's opening round story there? I just have a clarification about a name I heard, and that is Joe Bananas Banano. Is that is that right? You heard that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just that was that's really my 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 main question is Bananas Banano. <laughs> the, the rhyme. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Good. Uh, getting some clarification. That's always important to hear. I did, I, Chris, I want to. I want to point out that uh, uh, in episode fifty something, I think it was pass. I think Drew had uh, Skookum Jim. Uh, <laughs> yep. this, yes, is a, this is a trend, and I don't recall if he was bluffing on that one. So I, these could be know, real; they could be bluff. You know, yeah. It's, either way, I, I don't remember that as well. I do remember that show, and I remember Skookum Jim, but I don't remember if he was a bluff or not. Um, and uh, but it, it does make you wonder if uh, Joe Banana Banana was married to an Anna, because then she'd be Anna Banana Banana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <but> <laughs> <laughs> um, Tina. Gina, what did you think of uh, what did you think of Drew's story there? Do you really want to know? I, yeah, I that, do. I thought that he literally watched Goodfellas before this because <laughs> at the very beginning, when they talk about, they kind of set up the whole movie and they say, you know, you live in an Italian neighborhood and everybody gives everybody nicknames. You got, you know, uh, Tony two times, Tony, you know, and then you got Tony uh -oh. Bananas. My family has Tommy Bananas in it, so I mean, like it's it's, it's plausible, but also a good trick because. As Drew has confessed to us in the past and sometimes in rehearsals, he does look all of this stuff up, even when he's bluffing. So he knows <laughs> that Italians always give really fun nicknames mm. already, whether they're in the mob or not. So that's a good trick, though, there, Drew. You could be lying. You could be truing. I don't know. Good point. Good point indeed, Gina. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's move to our second historian for round number one. Melissa, we're going to bring you out. And here, the opening round for you. And once again, you have 75 seconds in round one, and the floor is yours. Have you ever learned something about your siblings that shocked you to your core? Well, perhaps none could say this more than the Akuni brothers. The Japanese-American family had nine siblings uh, in total, five brothers, four sisters. The father was named Richiro Akune, and he owned a Japanese-American uh, grocery store in California. They had moved there in 1918. He was known as a really generous guy. He helped people out when they were having trouble. But their world came crashing down when his wife and the mother to his children died during childbirth. Because the children had dual citizenship, he moved the family back to Japan. But... Uh, Later on, the two oldest boys, Ken and Harry, later moved back to L.A. in the United States uh, because they kind of considered that home. And shortly after moving back, however, Pearl Harbor happened. So this meant several things. Number one, communication between the family was virtually impossible. They didn't want to raise 
suspicion. And second, due to tensions at the time between America and Japan, um, he, they were one, two of 120,000 that were sent to internment camp in Colorado. That's it. All right. Let's see what we'll happens hear. next. We'll hear what happens next in the next round. Uh, let's hear some comments. Gina, what did you think of Melissa's story? Bad is what that is. Um, is but you know, you know what caught me again was actually the names because, uh, hi, there's, you know, Richero Kuno or Cooney and all the fun things. And then there are children, Ken and Harry. Um, so <laughs> uh, I really well, like they were the born in the States. Yeah. That is actually making me um, think she's bluffing because um, the the Japanese, to me, feel very similar to Italians in that they really honor their heritage and, and uh, their namesakes and things like that. And I know of no Italian that names their child anything that sounds like Ken and Harry. And I would assume the same of a Japanese family. So I am hereby calling bluff right now. All right. Well, uh, very, very, very early accusation. I love it. Wow. Uh, fantastic. Uh, just for the record, it could be short for like, you know, Kenatana or something. You know, just Fair. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, just, All right. Saying. But uh, uh, good point. You, you, you made a, a good point there. Uh, Drew, what do you think of Melissa's story? Yeah, I had the, the same exact thought as Gina. Um, and, and then also like uh, Melissa's very first her very first like sentence, I forget what it was, but it almost sounded like she was reading out of a diary. Like it, it was like, this is gonna be like a very like like heartfelt personal story. But no, no, not it just, I mean maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe she's not tired. Maybe she's like one of the siblings. Um, but um, it's very it's this is true story, and so far I have no reason to believe it's not. It's a very sad story. There's wow, a lot of, okay. a lot of family trauma going on. So, all right, cool. bordering on a couple of accusations mm -hmm. already, and we're not even through with round one yet. We still mm -hmm. have one more historian to hear from, and that would be Drew, uh, Gina. Sorry, Gina. Uh, so, okay. Gina, let's come uh, to Gina and uh, have you tell your first round. You have seventy-five seconds, and the floor is yours. Um, so everybody uh, cel celebrated and honored uh, the life of Queen Elizabeth this past year um, when she passed away. And um, one of the people who didn't actually get a chance to celebrate or honor her life uh, was her uh, maid of honor from her wedding. Her name was Lady Mary Russell. And uh, Lady Mary was the uh, one, if you see all the pictures, she's the one carrying the long, big train, uh, which actually weighed, uh, I found out, weighed five whole pounds. So she had to like literally hold that the whole day, uh, 11 kilograms if we're uh, using European metrics. Um, so uh, she had been her uh, maid of honor and her lady's maid for 74 years. And she actually died the day before uh, Queen Elizabeth was buried. Uh, one of the interesting things, though, was that uh, earlier in the in the year, around Easter time last year, she did an interview uh, about her life with Queen Elizabeth. Um, and she told a beautiful, beautiful story that I don't think very many people know about the royal family. And one is that the uh, couple met when um, when Queen Elizabeth was not actually a queen and was not really intended to be a queen uh, in the family. She was just a princess and she was 13 years old. And she and her sister Margaret were touring a naval college and she met Prince uh, Philip, and uh, who also wasn't <laughs> the prince yet. Um, she met him and he was 18 years old. And I will tell you more about their story that Lady Mary has uh, told in her interview. All right. All right. So, uh, Melissa, what did you think of Gina's opening round about Queen Elizabeth and Lady Mary Russell? Yeah, a five pound dress. That's what I'm like <laughs> stuck on. <laughs> like, and wait, was so did Lady Mary, if, did Queen Elizabeth like make her wear the dress for like her wedding? Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Yep. 
So sorry. She was the maid of honor. Is the train and the train was very long. But in addition, she had like this beautiful um coat with like you know that very royal coat with the white yeah. fur and stuff. And that's what weighed the most was like because it kind of came out along with the train. It was gigantic. Like it, like if you look up pictures, it's beautiful. Like but so that's what weighed the most. But she had to carry that. It sounds like Bridezilla behavior a little bit. Seventy-four years. Yeah, I know. I know. She wasn't being quite yet. So. And kudos to Melissa for once again uh, taking the time to get clarification on something she wasn't 100% sure about. Uh, Drew, if Lady Mary Russell was in your story, they would call her Bicep Mary because carrying around that that uh, five pound thing all day. Um, but what do you uh, what do you think of Melissa's story? Well, uh, for uh, a Gina story, um... uh, I'm sorry, Gina's story. Yes. <laughs> no, no, go to Melissa's. Do Melissa's. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm glad Gina. And back to the five pounds. I'm glad she clarified that it was uh, the the kilometers that, that gave us the weight. Because <laughs> I was ready there, like, well, how many U.S. dollars is five pounds? <laughs> so I was glad she clarified that. <laughs> yeah. uh, did she say kilometers or not kilograms? What? Oh, did I say kilometers? Kilograms. <laughs> oh, I had to look it up because because you know it was in kilograms in the story. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, and then the other thing that like stuck out to me is, is and she's talking about like when they met, when, when, um, Lady Mary, uh, met, uh, Queen, she was just a princess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just a princess. Which also would fit in your story. Just saying. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, speaking of Drew's story, uh, Adam, we have seen dot one, dot two, dot three filled up on the round track or 9,000. That means we're headed to round number two. Let's do it. Round two. So we're going to come back around in the lineup. We're going to come back around to the top of the lineup here. That brings Drew back out for round number two. So, Drew, this time we're going to reduce your time from 75 seconds to 60 seconds. So each of the contestants will have 60 seconds in this round number two to tell their story. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay. All so right, if you want to lead, it, lead us in, there, where, where were we at? Yeah, we're going to talk about the Castello Morisi War is where I'm going to go and fill you in on this gang, this New York Sicilian War. All right, right. let's get back to the Sicilian War. The floor is yours. Okay, so the Castello Morisi War was not just a territorial conflict between the Masseria and Marazzano factions. It was also a generational conflict between the old guard Sicilian leadership. They were known as the Mustache Peets. And then the newer, younger um, uh, kind of mafia members were known as the Young Turks. The mustache peats were known for their long mustaches and old world ways, such as refusing to work, uh, do business with non-Italians. The Young Turks were younger, more diverse. They were pretty much grew up in the U.S. and they were more forward thinking and had no problem working with non-Italians. This caused followers on both sides to question their leaders, if they were set up for success continued success and resulted in many mobsters switching sides or killing their own allies. This back and forth made it extremely hard for anyone to trust anyone. The Castella Marisi War was fought February 1930, April 1931. I'll tell you more in round number three. All right, nicely done. Um, So uh, just a little over a year, a year, a couple of months there from February 1930 to April 1931. Uh, Melissa, what do you think of round number two hearing about the Castello Marisi War? Hmm. 
Yeah, I think that the Mustache Peets and the Young Turks sound like great band names. That's what I think, um, <laughs> just in general. They do. Um, <laughs> I'm writing them down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm wondering, talking about switching sides, like all these names, I'm wondering if like trying to switch things up on us as well. Mm, yep, wow. interesting, classic tactic. Uh, Gina, what do you think? Well, there's this um, there's this Italian word, and it's a code, and it's called Armerta. And what that means is that you don't kill other Italians. So I don't believe your story now. So now I'm not sure mm -hmm. who's bluffing because they both have plausible things, but they also have things that have given me pause now. So ah, ah. plausible and plausible at the same time. Plausible and plausible. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's go on to historian number two, Melissa. Come on out. You now have sixty seconds to tell us more about uh, Ken and his brother uh, in uh, this story uh, based in California. Go ahead. All right. So Ken and Harry Akune, the brothers on the brink of World War II. So one day recruiters come to the camp and they ask uh, specifically for people that can help them with um, Japanese language. So uh, Ken and Harry sign up and they start creating propaganda for the U.S. Army. And this propaganda is sent to Japanese soldiers that um, are basically pamphlets that are persuading those soldiers to surrender. So they help them with that. They help them with interrogations of Japanese soldiers. And they ended up playing a pretty large role uh, in World War II. Uh, but there's still stories of discrimination at this time. So, for example, Harry tells a story about how he was about to parachute down into enemy territory, essentially. And he looks down and he has his parachute, but no gear. So he's jumping down into enemy territory with no uh, like weapons or anything to fight with. But luckily somebody helped them out. But it's alleged that maybe there was some nefarious play at hand. But the truly shocking part happens in part three. Well. <clears throat> Drew, some pretty uh, big accusation there of uh, foul play in his gear. What do you think of that story? Um, it, it's as shocking as it sounds. I, I also, it's it's kind of believable because I, I've watched like enough like World War II docs and um, and kind of know a little bit about like, you know, Pearl Harbor. Um, so I got to say, like, I mean, as shocking as it is, sadly, it's also very believable. So I am I'm going to reserve judgment until I hear more. Okay. I, I had a question, if that's okay, oh, Melissa. We are um, all about clarification here, Gina. Go ahead. Okay, Melissa. So I was just curious. You said, and, and I think because you use pronouns, I want to make sure I understand this. Um, you said that Ken and Harry needed to learn Japanese to write propaganda. Weren't they Japanese already? No, that they. So the U.S. Army was like going in and asking for people that knew Japanese. They were recruiting them. Ken oh, and so Harry. they did. Okay, because then yeah, I was. Yeah. I was like Ken and Harry, American, and then they had dual citizenship, but they didn't know Japanese. Okay, but now they did, so that changes my that changes my theory. So now I'm not sure. Oh, uh, now I'm uh -huh. still for Drew because now I kind of sort of am starting to understand your story and maybe believing it. Although Ken and Harry still feels very very made up. So <laughs> <laughs> just saying. All right. Well, wait till you hear later on. We should talk about Harry and the younger brother David starting a candy company. But um, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> right over uh, my head. Right <laughs> over my head. It's Harry and David's. Uh, it's, they do baskets at the holidays. It's, it's yeah, holiday season. Adam, wonderful. If you ever come on, one, 
If you ever no. get one, don't give it away. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, all right. So that means that we have to come back to Gina to pick up okay. her story of Queen Elizabeth and Lady Mary Russell and the five pound train. <laughs> okay. Um, so I. Uh, so I apologize. The five pound train is not as integral as you think. Um, so in uh, 1953, uh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. In 1947, uh, Philip and uh, Queen Elizabeth are married rather. I'm sorry. Can I start over, Adam? Can I just start over? Uh, yeah, cool? sure. Sure. Okay. Let's, Let's see. Yeah, hold, hold on. Uh, hang okay. on. All right. We got it. Uh... Oh, wait. Okay. Oh my gosh, it reversed and everything. That's that. fantastic. All right, I'll take okay. it down. Okay, okay. Right. I am ready when you are. You want me to do it with... All right, now we're going to go back to story number three. Gina, you have 60 okay. seconds for this round. Awesome. So in 1947, they got married. And um, from the year that they got married, uh, a tradition was started. Every holiday season, the uh, royal family, which now Philip was a part of, would go to a place in Norfolk, England, and they would, uh, a castle that they had there. And they have this big, they had four trees that they all decorated. But every evening on Christmas Eve, when uh, Queen Elizabeth would go to bed and they slept in separate bedchambers, uh, she would always have one um, the very first year was a locomotive, um, but one train car left on her bed every single time. And Lady Mary Russell was the one who put it there. She confessed in the interviews uh, before before she passed away. Um, but it was a very sweet uh, token of love from um, Prince Philip. Later, uh, all of the, the uh, and just so you know, the, the kings and the queens and all of the royal families had little nicknames. Um, uh, Queen Elizabeth was London Bridge, and he was Fourth Bridge. Now, the Fourth Bridge is a bridge that um, only has trains. And also, when he was in World War II, they wrote back and forth to each other uh, while she was on a train every Christmas going to Norfolk. So um, it was sort of like an inside thing for them. Very good. Inside royalty joke there. All right. So uh, <laughs> we have come to the end of round number two, I see, because all three of the Round Tracker 9,000 spots are complete. That means one thing only. That means we're going to round number three to hear our conclusions. Adam, take us to round oh, three, please. Did we want to get a little input from the other historians ah, first? Yay! My bad. My bad. <laughs> why, to, why, why go this, there? Why do that? This is for you. Yeah. No, bad, bad yeah, host. Yeah. We're not ready yet for round three. We got to hear from the folks. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Drew, uh, my apologies. I meant to give you some time to talk about Gina's story. What do you think of uh, Queen Elizabeth's story there? Yeah, well, first of all, um, nicknames is my story, Gina. Okay, uh, <laughs> don't be giving these royal family members um, nicknames. Um, but then, then you said Queen Elizabeth's nickname was London Bridge. So, is like the song "London Bridge" falling down? Is that about her like tripping and falling down the stairs? Or oh, something? No, but, but when they when she did actually pass away, they did say London Bridge has fallen. So. Oh. Really? Okay. okay. And, and it was um, considered a project unicorn. I don't know where that one came from to take her body from Scotland to where she was ultimately buried. But I don't know what that has anything to do with any of the other nicknames because they were all about bridges. So. Huh. Okay. Wait, doesn't nicknames that make sense? Isn't these are more code code names? I think. I know. Isn't, I love code uh, names. <laughs> What'd you say, Adam? Unicorn isn't that like the national animal of Scotland? Oh, oh, I think you might be right. That's adorable. I get it. <laughs> it it okay. is for somewhere. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Moving on. Melissa, what do you Melissa, what do you think of Gina's story? Yeah, so the names, like the nickname thing, I was also gonna say as well, 
I don't know that I've ever like wanted to be called like a train or a bridge by anybody. <laughs> like that's just so weird. I mean, I guess you do you. Like that's good for them. But that's the way they nicknames. They call me dump <laughs> it seems a little weird. <laughs> I mean, every one of them had it. It wasn't just like those two. It was like the 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 grandkids. Everybody has it. Like if you're if you're royal, you get one. Wow. It traveled around the family then. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Now, Wait Adam. Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, see what she did there. Okay. See what she did there. Uh, now, Adam, we are at the end of round number two. Oh, Come we sure are. All the spots in the round track are out filled. All the comments heard. <laughs> so let us move, please, to round number three. Let's do it. Round number three. All right. Welcome back to round number three. It's uh, good to be back. It's good to be back. Yes. We uh, hope you enjoyed that little break. Uh, all 0.6 seconds of it. And uh, uh, I, I we, like to say it. I like to say it as though we have a commercial break. Yes, Sunday exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. You know, we do. Yeah. Someday we will have sponsors. And God, I am hoping and praying. That is truest bank because that way we can say which of our historians is the least truest. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, that's perfect. You hear that, truest? We're waiting. The phone lines are open. What about Bluffy's? <laughs> sure. Yes, Bluffy's Burgers down on Sixth um, and Main. Okay. All there right. It is. So, where are we at, sir? Where are we at? We are at. Uh, we are about to see uh, round number three. And here, round number three. Uh, of Drew's story about the Costello Maurice War, ah. about uh, Melissa's story about Ken and Harry Akune, and and then Gina's story about Queen Elizabeth and the re, uh, the royal family nicknames and all of the wedding related stuff within, uh, surrounding Queen Elizabeth. So uh, let Beautiful. us come back to Drew. And Drew, you're going to have 45 seconds here in the final round to wrap up. Each story is going to get 45 seconds wrap up their story so please tell us more about the Costello Maurice war and wrap up your story and you have the floor so after many hits and betrayals the tide turned in favor of the Maranzano uh, family when lucky Luciano and a few other young Turks chose to switch sides they concocted a plan to take out Masseria and join Maranzano having won the war maranzano organized the new york gangs into the five families each with designated territories and a boss with maranzano serving as the boss of all bosses the original five families were uh, lucky luciano joe bonanno joseph profacci vincent mangano and thomas gagliano but maranzano's reign was short-lived who was murdered in September 1931 by a team of Jewish triggermen hired by Luciano. With both old-timers now eliminated, Luciano and the young Tur Turks took over the mafia in New York. Wow. Mm. Okay. Uh, Melissa, what do you think of the young Turks' rise to power? Yeah, it's a lot of changing of hands in the last like little snippet of time. It felt like a lot of things were happening really quickly. All those names I loved, gone. Um, so just because of that, I'm like, uh, my fun names are gone. Uh, <laughs> never never a good moment when the, the no. fun names are gone. So, all right. So, like, uh, if I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, go, go, Gina, go. Oh, as I say, like if I'm the person who killed Moranzo, I'd be like, "Oh, look, it's got a Moranzo cherry on top." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Never yeah, mind. Gina, right. what uh, other than that, do you have 
have any other thoughts about Drew's story? Kudos to, you know, stumbling through those pronunciations there, buddy. Um, I was saying, it rolled right off your tongue. <laughs> Um, so I will say that um, he's he's accurate in that there were five families in Lucky, Lucky Luciano, who we also did a story about where Esther took them down. Um, but uh, that is accurate. But I'm from Naples and we don't like Sicilian. So I don't know. I don't really know this story very well, as well as I might should as well. They probably should. Um, so I, I'm still questioning it, though, because it just was a lot of names and it didn't feel like it just really went anywhere. That's just me, though. So, OK, okay. I know. But I have to hear Melissa, so I don't know. That's yeah. true. And you know, Gina, on your note about uh, Drew struggling through that pronunciation, it, uh, it bears saying out loud for our audio listeners that you take one look at Drew and you will not think Italian. No, not even a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why even. it's funny. <laughs> I mean, we can DNA test him, but I don't think so. So anyway. <laughs> but I will say this on Drew's behalf. You would look at Drew and you would say journalist about Italians about Italian mob, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Different okay. twist there. Different yeah, twist there. And, he has and a writer just, vibe going. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just for the record, Gina, I was going to say, uh, you know, being from uh, your family from Naples, um, if you said you didn't like Sicilians, okay, but if you said you didn't like Sicilian pizza, we were going to have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> we're going oh. to move to Melissa oh. for. Uh, her final round, Melissa, you're going to have 45 seconds oh, yeah. to conclude your story on Ken and Harvey Akune. All right. All right. We're ready to go. Let's do it. All right. So the really shocking thing about this family comes out after the war is over and they all have a family reunion in Japan. And it turns out that Ken and Harry were not the only Akune brothers to fight in World War II, but two of the other brothers of the family, Shiro and Saburo, were also fighting for the Japanese Imperial Army, with Shiro being um, kind of like an orientation recruiter and Saburo being um, in the Navy, their version of the Navy. And so they found out about this and they're about to fight and uh, got this family reunion, about to throw punches. And then the father comes in and basically just solves it and makes them be peaceful and then they both move back to america u.s and then eventually they fight together in korea wow and then they started a car company the subaru <laughs> oh jeez oh that's all right did anyone else did anyone else visualize the father coming in and just doing a three stooges on him banging their heads together and say that yeah, cut it out yes. <laughs> That's exactly I mean, what I was picturing. I pictured him coming in and not having to say a word, and they just stopped. Because, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, let's hear from Drew. Drew, what'd you think of Melissa's story there? Um, well, I, I've been taking notes, and very at the, round number one, she said there was nine siblings. So we have only four accounted for. So there's like there's five other siblings that we don't know whose side they were on. So that's mm. the scary part to me. Um, but uh yeah, this sounds like it should be a movie if it's not already, because um, uh, some big, either some big epic, um, you know, Michael Bay movie or <laughs> some sappy Lifetime movie, either or. I don't know. Like Saving Private Subaru or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's original. Never heard anything like never, that. Never, never. Um, well, no, uh, Drew, I, I agree with you because there were five brothers and she only mentioned four. I was taking yes. notes as well. Um, yeah. So what happened to the other brother, Melissa? Hmm? Maybe he was a pacifist. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's on he's the, he's on the sidelines with like picketing. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, Gina, he became a a line chef somewhere, and he's the one that came up with a kune frittata. Oh, oh, 
Oh. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? Oh, man. I just thought of it. No. <laughs> no. I just thought of it 10 seconds ago. Uh, so, uh, all right. Now we have heard round two stories. I'm sorry, round three stories from Drew, from Melissa. That leaves us with Gina and the Queen. So, uh, Gina, please wrap up your story. Your concluding round has 45 seconds, and the floor is yours. Lady Mary spoke very highly in her interview about uh, Prince or King Philip and uh, or whatever they called him, Prince Philip and uh, <laughs> Lady Elizabeth. I'm sorry, but they, he did. She did. Um, and so she just thought that they were beautiful. And she said that a lot of people didn't get to see their romance. Um, and uh, Philip had enlisted her to do the train thing every Christmas Eve. He also enlisted her to help with different pranks. Like one time um, she helped him dress up like a like a um, guard, a royal guard. And he followed Queen Elizabeth around all day about uh, halfway through the day, she finally realized it was him, et cetera, et cetera. So now Prince Philip knew he was passing away. And before he died, he uh, made an arrangement with Lady Mary Russell. And the arrangement was that on the last Christmas of the year that he died, that she placed a caboose on her bed. And that was his last train gift to her. Wow. Beautiful. From behind, the, from beyond the grave, he's telling her the gig is up. Him. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> yikes! Uh, yikes! Uh, true. Oh, and they put the train around the the Christ, one in the Christmas trees in the Great Room, uh, and it got longer and longer every year. Seventy four uh, trains. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. that's cool. Drew, what do you think? You said seventy four trains. I apologize, seventy three. Because oh. I guess they were married seventy three years, and then so yeah. Seventy three. So the question is, did seventy three trains? Weigh five pounds. <laughs> oh, Mary had to carry them every year. It got longer and longer. She was a she was buff though. That's for our sister show, Matt Bluffs. <laughs> mm -hmm. A very touching, yeah. touching story. Um, <laughs> very touching story. Also, could be a lifetime movie. Probably will be someday. Um, I feel I like so. this story was missing Ken and Harry. That those. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's Harry and William. Um, so. Oh, that's true. Okay. There you go. Uh, all right, Melissa, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm worried that you went a little off the rails there. Like, it just feels <laughs> like you needed to pull the brakes on a, on some of these train references. It was a, It's a lot of trains. A lot of trains for a romance. But, you know, I guess some people like to, quote, do the train thing, as you said. I did. It was a sweet tradition. I thought, do you not like romance? <laughs> I like romance, but the train seems like over the top. Like I don't need a train in the middle of everything. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, no, I kind, I kind of, partnered. in my mind, I kind of mesh a little bit of like Queen Elizabeth as one of the mafia dons and say, enough with the trains already over there. Yeah. <laughs> Another freaking train. Yeah. I like so, the way she tied the story up, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's not bad. It's a little train nerd. I'm thinking like I don't know that much about trains. All right. <laughs> but that's a good one though, Adam. Thanks. I well, we that. are at the point of the show now where we what? have heard all three stories from all three historians in all three rounds. <gasps> that is where we are. And that means that we are at the point of the story of the show where we have to find out which of our three historians are bluffing. Which one is tonight's Bluff. So you want us to guess first? Yeah, let's get right okay. to it. Let's get right to it. Okay. Uh, uh, Drew, who do you think is the bluff and why? Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I really could flip a coin. Um, 
I think everything Melissa said sounds feasible. With her story, I'm thinking that's it's the information that wasn't there that it, the missing information that I want to hear that would make it seem more of a bluff. Um, if that makes any sense, and <laughs> no, no, it does With the trains and everything, I, I I'm gonna just say I think Gina is the bluff. The, okay. The Historian number two, Melissa, what do you think? Who's the bluff? Yeah, so the names were a nice little, um, you know, a nice detail for Drew's story. But I think I, some of those names sound familiar. So I'm actually going to go with Gina's love train story. Um, the Royal. <laughs> that really conducted it well. Not Soul Train, but Love Train. Don Cornelius would still like it, even though it's not yeah. Soul Train. Uh, and uh, so we have one accusation to Regina. Then we have a second accusation no. to Gina. I don't, Gina, I don't, I don't think you're going to make it anonymous, uh, anonymous but uh, please tell us who do you think is the bluff, Gina? I, first of all, people don't even believe in love anymore. That's rude. Um, What's love got all, to do with it? That's what they're asking. I, I don't know. Okay, so I, I do believe, I don't know, Drew's story read to me as the most true, and then Ken and Harry just felt like that just felt fake i'm sorry but it just did and it's like so i will have to go with melissa on this one so i'm All sorry right, so sorry melissa we have two accusations for gina one accusation for melissa let's find out from the person that knows adam take it away all right i have my perpetrators lined up and i and i alone have the secret knowledge of who the bluff was was your bluff on this episode of history bluffs was it drew was your bluff melissa could your bluff have been gina prepare for the knowledge your bluff this whole show has been gina <laughs> they got me Oh, that sucked. I you, thought it was a really sweet story. I meant it was, you. <laughs> it was very sweet. <laughs> it was very I sweet. thought it was timely. Also, that she just passed away, and I was like, how could they vote against that? Oh, <laughs> too soon, guys. Too soon. All right, all right. I know for next time. Wait at least a year. Okay. <laughs> no, it has been a year. So, Snatch it up. Um, yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, uh, not quite a year, but well done, <laughs> all three of you. Great stories. Trains. Uh, trains. <laughs> Uh, great, great stories, everyone. Uh, okay, thank I, you. Go ahead, yes, I do want to let everybody know that the code name part is real. So ah. that was oh, that's awesome. Inspiration. And was her code name really London Bridge? Yeah, and oh, they really wow. did say London Bridge has fallen. Wow, wow. Huh. Just and it was really that. planned unicorn. It was. <laughs> so. You know, somebody came up with that idea in the like the late '60s, probably. It was like, you know, she's getting old. We're gonna be able to save London We're Bridge has fallen, to, yeah. and those people who thought of it died decades yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, but she, oh my gosh, did that was that funny? <laughs> she she had the last laugh. She uh, did. So, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this evening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of History Bluffs, inspired by family. Um, we are back again next week with another episode. Please tune in. Uh, watch us live on YouTube and Twitch and uh, here, listen to our podcast. And uh, Adam, please take us away. Let's do it. You heard him. Tune in. You can see us live on YouTube, Twitch, and of course, where you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Laugh and learn with us. See you then.